Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am really excited to announce a lovely guest coming from Arizona, which I wish I was there right now because I'm sure it's a little bit warmer than freezing cold Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chelsea. Chelsea, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Okay, um, I'm happy to, Becky. Um, so in 2013, I noticed that um, my left arm started acting a little funky. Um, I just kind of brushed it off. At the time, I was working as a hostess in um, a restaurant, and I thought maybe I'm just working myself a little too hard. I went and saw my primary care doctor. They said nothing. Um, And then I noticed that the left side of my tongue was going numb, and my left lip was going, the left side of my lip was going numb. And I started getting dizzy. And I think I saw a dentist at that point in time, but still just no diagnosis. And my left arm kept acting funky. I was like trying to do things like put on my makeup and it just wasn't as coordinated as it used to be. Um, I went to the emergency department. I had a CT, came back normal. They told me to go home and follow up with neurology. Um, And my symptoms kept progressing until a couple days after I was discharged or maybe even the following day after I was discharged, I woke up and I could hardly see the hand, my hand in front of my face. Um, I don't know how I managed to go downstairs and make myself a bowl of oatmeal. I clearly had my priorities, which were food. <laughs> um, but I, I went downstairs and I made myself a bowl of oatmeal and I was living, living with my parents at that time, I was 20. And I called my mom to come home and to take me to the hospital. And when I went into the hospital, I um, noticed that they put me in a giant uh, room. It wasn't like a normal ER room. It was what I later found out was a trauma bay. And it just really freaked me out. And I knew that whatever was going on was serious. At that time, I faced possible diagnosis of brain tumor, multiple sclerosis, or some weird viral inflammatory thing. Um, I had what they called at the time a white spot on my MRI. It was on the right side of my cerebellum, which was causing my left arm to act funky. That's called ataxia. And it was causing me to have double vision, vertigo, and which means the room was spinning and my left shoulder started twitching at that point too. Um, I later found out that I did not have a brain cancer. Um, It was not brain cancer. And um, there was always a possible diagnosis of MS, but it just wasn't quite conclusive, especially considering the following year, I didn't have any symptoms, no new symptoms. And all of my symptoms basically went away um yeah it was strange um three years later though in 2016 i started having central loss of vision in my left eye that was originally black and usually associated with movement but um it eventually turned white and progressed to the entirety of my left eye, all of my vision in my left eye was completely gone. I had optic neuritis 
I had a lesion on my left optic nerve. Um, this is usually associated with MS. We still didn't really know what was going on. A DNP that I saw said that could be NMO, it could be MS. She didn't know. Eventually my neurologist said she didn't want to say that was MS quite yet. And she didn't want to start me on medications quite yet. Just kind of stuck it out. And eventually I did recover my vision in my left eye. So I made basically a full recovery again. And then in 2017, I developed tinnitus. And that's when my neurologist recommended me to go see my multiple sclerosis specialist. And when I first saw him, he made the final diagnosis that I did have MS and he started me on MS medication right away. Um, since then, I haven't had any new symptoms. I have had no new lesions on my brain, um, which is nice to say. And um, yeah, the last lesion that I've had was in 2016 and the tinnitus hasn't really been confirmed as being associated with multiple sclerosis or not. So during my first relapse, I was um, working at a restaurant. I just worked at an emergency department and an oncology office um, in patient financial services. I loved what I did because I felt like it was a unique opportunity to help people and I was pre-med at the time. Um, but working in patient financial services just wasn't my calling. So I decided to leave mm -hmm. that job and start working in a restaurant. So I did have a background in healthcare before I had my first relapse. Um, and I was extremely interested in it. I don't know, it just made it feel all the more surreal. Like when I was in the emergency department the first time, and even though I could hardly see my hand in front of my face, um, I asked my doctor if I could see my MRI and he was like excited to show me. So he took me out of the big trauma bay and took me back to where all the doctors were, where they sit at their computers and they take their notes. And he showed me my MRI where you can scroll through it so you can actively see the different slides throughout the brain. And I got to see the lesion on my brain, um, which was pretty cool. I was really happy that he did that and he actually seemed excited to show me that. So that was a cool experience. Um, and I stayed pre-med after that. It just gave me so much more empathy when I was um, working with patients because after that first relapse, I decided to go back and work in the emergency department um, as a medical scribe. And when I was seeing patients and I could see how fearful they were or angry they were, I felt empathy because I'd been there. I've been afraid and I've been angry. Um, but yeah, so I applied to medical school and during, I believe it was my first application cycle is when I suffered from my second relapse with the optic neuritis. It was a hard time for me to go through for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going, well, first off, I was going completely blind in one eye and yeah. never knew if I was going to regain my vision. And I was also working tirelessly to become a doctor. And I felt like I was being stripped of that dream. So it was just a hard time for a number of reasons. But I pushed through and I kept working in the emergency department and I kept applying to medical school. Um, so I got through that tough time. And then the next year I applied again because I was rejected the first time. Um, but my heart just wasn't in it anymore. 
I really wanted to prioritize my health and well-being above all else. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to help people and I love science. So I found a new career path. I decided that I wanted to teach chemistry. And I didn't just want to teach chemistry anywhere. I wanted to teach chemistry at the junior college level because I felt like this was the most meaningful way of impacting the community. Um, So I found a way of like having my career and prioritizing my health and well-being. I think that's a huge reason for why I've been doing so well with my multiple sclerosis is because I'm willing to pivot and change and adapt to these new challenges, but I'm still striving forward and achieving new goals. Um, So since then, since my optic neuritis in 2016 and my multiple sclerosis diagnosis in 2017, I decided to compete in a bodybuilding competition because why not? (laughs) Um, And I got in the best shape of my life and I competed in a bodybuilding competition and I ran a 10K and in 2021, I'm going to be doing a powerlifting competition. That's awesome. So thanks. Um, Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Yeah, I guess my biggest, which brings me to like my kind of final point with all of this is life changes, but it doesn't stop. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can still do incredible things. You can do anything you want to, but my advice to any person, even without a chronic illness, is you can do anything you want to, but you can't do everything. Can't dry your, run yourself ragged like that. If I wanted to be a medical doctor, I could, but I might not be able to have the best health that I want and prioritize eating home-cooked meals three times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change. But it's also okay to dream. That's that's so cool that you're uh, you kind of just changed everything and now you're doing bodybuilding and all this other like health and wellness stuff. That's so cool. So, <laughs> what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to go through throughout all of this? Accepting my new limitations was probably really hard for me because I wanted to be a doctor so bad, and I know I still could, but I'm tired and I still do have lingering symptoms and. I know that if I'm working 50 to 60 hours a week, it's probably not going to be the best thing for me physically. So I think the hardest thing for me was learning how to let go of the banana. Have you ever heard that term, that phrase? Um, I've heard of it before. Okay. Um, I don't don't know the context of it though. Maybe you can enlighten some of our listeners. (laughs) Okay. I might be butchering this, but... um, It's the story that um, hunters were able to capture monkeys because they would put like a trap where the monkey can fit their hand through the hole, but once they grabbed the banana, they could not pull their hand out of the hole with the banana clenched in their fist. But the monkeys were so adamant that they were going to keep this banana that they wouldn't just let it go so that they could flee and run away from the hunters. So in my case, letting go of the banana meant giving up becoming a doctor. In regards to the whole banana thing, um, I think there's a lot of people with chronic illness that have to deal with that. But I think that truly that's, you know, and this is me being a hippie, but, you know, maybe that just isn't our paths to begin with. Because I totally agree with you. And I think that a lot of, you know, 
I have Crohn's disease and a lot of my flare-ups and my illness stems significantly from stress. And so if I put myself in a stressful situation that I'm not 100% passionate about, well, my body's going to fight me and my body's going to get really sick sort of thing. And so for you sort of thing, I mean, how much of your body was actually telling you, okay, this is not your path. This is not the right way that you're supposed to go sort of thing. And I think that that goes with a lot of people with chronic illness is that they realize that their body is telling them something, whether that be they're in a bad situation, they're in a bad relationship, they're in not going in the right direction that they're supposed to be. And it's a kind of a sick, twisted way of our bodies telling us. It's like, hey, I'm going to make you so sick that you can't do what you're doing. You're welcome. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like yeah. you say, we have to let go of that banana. And that is so hard. I mean, when you give up on something that you thought that you were supposed that was 100% your dream. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, okay, maybe maybe that's not where I'm supposed to go or where I'm supposed to be sort of thing. I was in your shoes a little while ago too. Um, same thing. And once I decided that, okay, this this isn't for me. I need to jump ship and do something else sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And maybe this was my path all along and that all of my pre-med endeavors were just preparing me for something new, like teaching. Yeah. And the other thing too, I mean, I think that that was a really huge lesson that you learned in regards to being more empathetic towards people that are sick and that are in pain because there are so many people out there. And this is kind of one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is so that people realize that when someone says that they're in pain or when they have a disease or when they're this or that, you know, that that level of empathy that people need in regards to that, that can only really be um, expressed if the other person has been through something like that. Like there's no way, for example, if somebody doesn't have a chronic illness, they've never dealt with that pain, that they can really, really put themselves in those shoes. That being said, I mean, 100%, there's so many people out there that can be sympathetic towards you. But mm -hmm. to be able to really feel what you're feeling. Um, anyway, so I digress. This, um, so what I'm trying to get at is, you know, I think that that was a really important lesson for you to learn empathy and to learn that, you know, there are so many people out there that deal with this pain and deal with what you're going through as well. Not necessarily MS, but, you know, other diseases and that sort of thing. So it's all life lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've learned so much since then. Mm -hmm. Empathy and how to view life. It's just been a humbling and incredible experience. Absolutely. So on the flip side of the hardest thing, what do you think has been the best thing to come from all of this? The community that I've gained. Um, since then, I've, since my diagnosis, I started um, a Instagram account where I talk about my disease and I just share how I'm feeling and the things that I'm up to. And I feel like I have the sense of community um, with people who can relate to me, I feel like I have a purpose, really. And that's to show people, especially the newly diagnosed, that life changes, but it continues, and that you're still capable of great things. Absolutely. 
I think I think you're so right in regards to the community as well. I mean, there are so many people, especially my listeners as well. Like, number one, you're all lovely human beings. Every single person that I've met so far has just been amazing. And uh, the other thing too is everybody's so supportive, especially on Instagram. You know, you post something or you have questions about different diagnoses or treatments or whatever, and and people just are literally out there just to help you. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been a lot of people who have helped me along the way, and I'm happy to help others as they're navigating these new waters as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So I have a bit of a fun one for you. Mm-hmm. If you can go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would that be? It would be to, I guess my answer is just what I've been saying the whole time. Um, life will change, but it will continue. Um, that you can still keep striving for greatness and you can achieve all of your goals. Um, and that multiple, your multiple sclerosis diagnosis is not the end and you still have value. I think that's one of the things with people with chronic illness is it's so hard as soon as you get diagnosed because it's almost like you give the diagnosis so much power over your own self that, you know, you, you, you don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so if we can all, especially when we first get diagnosed or even when our disease is so bad and, and we're in the hospital, we're on medications and this and that, it's like not giving the d- disease power and remembering that we have value, like you say, and, and life will get better. And, and, you know, our diseases don't define us. We define the disease sort of thing. So that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And that's exactly how I feel about my multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. I feel as though I can be a representative of my disease and say, hey, you can have a career, you can compete in athletic competitions, you can get married and have all of these wonderful aspects of life. Um, And my multiple sclerosis does not define me, I define my MS. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. So what do you, what has helped you the most up to now? Like uh, what treatments are you taking? What do you find like on a regular basis? What do you do that helps the most? So in 2017, I started my multiple sclerosis disease modifying therapy. I attribute that to not having any new lesions on my brain. With that being said, well, no new lesions on my brain or spine for that matter. Um, With that being said, I believe that nutrition and exercise is equally as important. I eat mostly whole foods. I eat plenty of produce and rice and potatoes and lean protein. Um, That definitely helps keep my energy up. I also enjoy lifting weights, but any sort of physical activity has been really beneficial for me. Um, Really what's helped me the most is my disease-modifying therapy, fitness, and nutrition. I think that, you know, medications are great, but I mean, I think that a huge thing. It, it's kind of like what you say for me. Um, I actually went vegan this year and my disease disappeared. It was crazy. I mean, along, among other things, it was, you know, I do a lot of meditation and I, a lot of self-care, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But, you know, it's amazing how when you really take control of your diet, when you really take control of being healthy with your body, how much it helps with chronic illness. And that being said, it doesn't just get better and it goes away sort of thing. Um, but it certainly helps. I've actually been doing keto for about three and a half months now and uh, vegan keto, of course. So I eat a lot of avocados and coconut oil, but it's been 
literally a life changer for me. I wake up, I only have to get like six hours of sleep at night and I wake up and I'm like, okay, let's go like run a marathon and do a workout and do all this. It's, it's crazy. It's amazing how much of your diet can change so much of your body. I completely agree. And one of the things that um, I struggle with a lot is because people always ask me like how they should eat. And I feel like a lot of it comes down to just figuring out what works for you and your body. Like personally, I do really well eating a ton of carbs. Um, so you and I are yeah. kind of up ends of things. Uh, totally. Um, but once you figure out what works for you, it can be life-changing. I mm -hmm. have energy like a normal person most days. I will admit I yeah. still get the MS fatigue every so often, but I've been able to take control of my life through diet and nutrition, and it's yep. just been such an incredible experience. Oh, absolutely. And like you say, I mean, like what, you know, it's kind of, and I'll say this over and over again, but it's like for me with Crohn's disease, okay, fine. I'm in remission and I'm not on medication, but I'm not about to go up to every single person with Crohn's disease and be like, Hey, you need to go vegan and you need to start eating keto and then you'll be fine. Like, no, it works for me because my body likes it. That's just the way mm -hmm. it is. I know a lot of people that have Crohn's disease that eat meat and potatoes on a regular basis. And if that were me, if I ate that, I would be in the hospital. So you're totally right. You have got to do what works for yourself. And it's all about trial and error. Do the elimination diet to figure out what foods cause inflammation, what foods don't, what foods make, what foods make you tired, et cetera, et cetera, sort of thing. So yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm sure being in the fitness industry, you know, you probably do get a lot of people that are like, okay, <laughs> give me a diet plan or something like that. But it's just, yeah, it's not like a cookie cutter cut and paste whatever it is for each individual totally it's it's a hundred percent individualized for every single human being on the planet that's why i don't agree with a lot of medications because medications you know it's it's just like that there's one medication or like call it 10 medications for a disease and you're going to give it to millions of people well what happens if you have that one person that the medications don't work and you say we don't have anything else for you that's what i don't get <laughs> Anyways, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other topic. Um, I've personally had a great experience with my medication, but mm -hmm. I respect your decision. Yeah, yeah, no, and you know that being said, I mean, I was on a ton of medication when I was younger. I've had this disease now for twelve years, and so it took a long time for me to get to a point where I'm off medication and just being able to you know, do this with diet sort of thing. And I think that, you know, I think we need medications in order to really get, you know, if we're really, really, really sick, well, what do you do? Well, you need medications in order to help you get better, of course. And I'm so happy that you found one that worked so well for you and you've been, you know, pretty much symptom free for three years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know yeah. what, here's what I will say about that. Um, when I, decided to go on medication with my multiple sclerosis specialist, we had a long conversation where we talked about my needs, my wants, and what um, what might work best for me. I went into taking Tecfidera knowing that it might not be my glass slipper, that this might take trial and error. Um, and I still do respect your decision not to take medication, but for me, having that, having those conversations with my physician, knowing that he respects me and is willing to educate me has really helped me understand the whole process and how to provide my body with what it needs. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, having the ability to talk to your physician openly about that stuff and, and, you know, the fact that he talked to you about what you want, what you need sort of thing. And, 
you know, yeah, you're so right. Drugs and medications are totally, totally trial and error and Mm -hmm. it can be exhausting. But when you find that one drug that puts you into remission, that makes you feel healthy and and good and back to quote unquote normal, that's, that's huge. So I'm so happy that you have a physician that works well, like that, that collaborates with you and, and that wants to like work with you as a team in regards to getting better and that sort of thing. So that's awesome. High five through the computer. <laughs> I know it's pretty incredible. His name is Dr. Hendon. I cannot praise him enough because of all yeah. the conversations we've had. I just feel like he is the perfect example of bedside manner and empathy. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel so much better about my prognosis because I know that I'm in his care. I feel like I have this incredible, um, like he's a multiple sclerosis expert. This is what he does all day, every day. He just reads about my disease and he flies around and gives talks about my disease. And I just have so much trust and mutual respect. We have a mutual respect for each other. And it's just been such a good experience for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that that relationship as well has, you know, really helped you in the healing process too. So, you know, that's, that's awesome. It really has. It makes the world of a difference when the people who are caring for you actually care about you. Oh, totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. So (laughs) we just have a couple minutes here, but before we go, um, is there any more advice or anything you can say to to my listeners before we get going? Um, there will be good and bad times. Um, when you're going through one of the bad times, remember that this stage is temporary and that we can learn to adjust. Um, and know that you have a community of people who support and care about you. Well, Chelsea, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today and, uh, telling your story, being vulnerable and just letting us know about, you know, your journey with MS and your story and everything like that. But before we get going as well, how can my listeners get in touch with you? So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the username mswarrior.chelsea. That's spelled M-S-W-A-R-R-I-O-R dot C-H-E-L-S-E-A. Awesome. And I will make sure that all of your contact details are in the podcast description as well. Thank Thank you you so much again for your time. Thank you, Becky, for your time as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Chelsea and I are off like a herd of turtles.